0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Repentance is, is, first a change of mind. God, I agree with you that what I've been doing is wrong. You're right, I'm wrong. And I'm going to stop and obey you beginning today. I'm turning around from what I've been doing today. I repent. That's repentance. A lot of people have never repented. They just acknowledge their sin, and they've made a little little agreements to try to do better. I'm gonna try. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to do a little better. I'm gonna tell you that Jesus didn't die for you to try to do a little better. He didn't. He died so that those that would believe in Him would repent.
0: When believers recognize sin in their lives, many will simply ask God for forgiveness, but then move forward in their old ways. Well, as Pastor Bill explains today. This isn't what God wants from you. Instead, after you've acknowledged your sin, stop and change and live differently. Unless you earnestly seek to repent, you fall short of what you could be and what God desires you to be. When you turn from sin, you are transformed and renewed and will live more abundantly and beautifully. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 26 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: The the mistake that this group made was twofold. Lack of faith, disobedience, and they really go hand in hand. They wouldn't obey because they didn't really believe God. They didn't believe God, therefore they didn't obey God. But the, the history of Israel was they wouldn't trust him enough. After all that he had done, all the miracles, water out of rocks and manna out of heaven and quail and everything else, they wouldn't trust him and they wouldn't disobey him. And so if we can learn from their mistakes, we want to do those two things that they didn't do. We want to be people of faith, and we want to be growing in our faith every day, every week. That's why uh, one of the reasons, one, of the, one more reason why I encourage us to do the Bible reading, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So if you read it, it, it this is what happens you read the Word. You read the Word, you see that it's true, and your faith grows. You read the word, it's like, boom, God spoke to me, I oh, that was, that was crazy, I was thinking about that, and then I read that verse, I wouldn't even plan it, and then your faith grows. And you, you'd be amazed at how the more time you spend in the word, you become a man and woman of faith. Get far away from the word, and faith becomes a spooky, you know, you know almost m- mystical sort of thing. Faith is a lot simpler, guys, so it comes by hearing, and hearing by my word. more time you spend in my word. The more a man of faith, the more a woman of faith, the more a person of faith you're going to become. So moving on now, that's the tribe of Reuben. So Reuben suffered a loss. They lost 2,770 men since, you know, from the time they began. Look at verses 12 through 14 is the tribe of Simeon. Verses 12 through 14, tribe of Simeon. It says, the sons of Simeon, according to their families were, and it goes on and down in verse 14, it says, those are the families of Simeon, 22,200. So... In the first census, Simeon had 59,300 men. And 38 years later, they have 22,000. So they lost 37,100 men over the 38 years. But these are the men that can go to war. So that made that, that's a 63% loss for them. That's one of the, I think this is the biggest loss in the group, Simeon. They, they just took a, took a major loss. Um, A lot less people, a lot less. And and just this is what I think of this. What if Simeon had went ahead and what if they had gone ahead and gone in 38 years earlier? He'd have gone in and and they would be receiving on the back end a much greater uh, reward. But the time wasted and the time over this time, they suffered loss and they lost a, a lot of people. And that would mark this tribe. That tribe's inheritance is going to be marked by this number now, not the previous number. Um, what do we learn from that? That many times when we won't step out in faith when God says do it, some people feel like, you know what, I'll, if I don't do it now, I'll just do it later. Like, like, like almost like God will give me more chances. I can, I, it'll, it'll still be there to do. But that's not necessarily the case. Do you? Some people don't believe that you could actually miss out on what God has, but you can. You could actually miss out on what God has. There are opportunities that God has that you could actually miss out on because um, you, you just wouldn't move forward. You just wouldn't do it. Um, there's some people that like to act like, no, whatever I do, whatever I end up doing, it ends up being God's will. And so, if I wait five years and God works it out, then no, you could actually waste time and lose opportunities. There's opportunities that you won't get back. Uh, I spoke to someone this week who um, felt like at one, point the Spirit had prompted them to pray for someone for, for supernatural healing, but they didn't, and now they'll they don't, they'll never that opportunity's gone right? They don't get to go back and see if God would have done something supernatural. You know, it's just, it's gone. It's an opportunity missed. Same with sharing the gospel. There can be times where the Lord prompts you to talk to him, talk to him, talk to her. And you know that something's, the Lord's doing something that's not normal. You're being prompted and you're like, I'm trying to get home. It's going to be inconvenient and you don't do it. You never know. That's a missed opportunity. It's not like you get that over again God's not hindered by you either. He'll have someone more faithful than you step up and do it. But you missed out on your opportunity maybe to lead that person to Christ, maybe to see God do something significant in the the realm of healing for someone. And so you can miss opportunities. And so, again, had this tribe gone in 38 years earlier, boom, they're a much bigger tribe. They're going to get a much bigger inheritance, 63 percent more. Um, But now they're a smaller tribe. Uh, they've lost in in the time wasted, they've lost. All right, moving on now, verses 15 through 18 is the tribe of Gad. The sons of Gad, according to their families, and it it goes on to begin to name their names, and then in verse 18, these are the families of the sons of Gad, according to those who were numbered of them, 40,500. And so Gad is another tribe that lost. Um, They started out 38 years earlier, they had 45,650 men. Now, 38 years later, they have 40,500. So they lost 5,150 fighting men. And so again, the, the people that we're counting are specifically the men that were able to go to war. That meant that this is the strength of your tribe. The, the strength of your army represented the strength of your tribe. And so they lost 5,150 know, 5, men. So 11% loss for Gad. Again, they go in weaker and they go in smaller. And I titled the study Gains and Losses because in our time and space on earth, we can be, there are people that are just making gains. There are people that you look at when they got saved and you look at the, 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 the trajectory that they're on and it's like, man, they're just, they're growing in their relationship with the Lord. They're growing in their ability to serve. They're just you just see games all the way. And it doesn't look like, you know, Paul is maybe one of my favorite people to chart out. And I look at his life and where it began and how God was merciful to forgive him for his heinous sins. But you look at when he turned his life to the Lord and he just, the trajectory that he was on was all, it was just, he just went further and further and further and further and further and, further and then he died and went to be with the Lord, right? He never fell off. He never, he never fell back. He never had a season where he took off. He never, he never had a season of backsliding. He just, from everything that the Holy Spirit of Scripture shows us, he just kept moving forward, pounding the pavement, going hard for the Lord, winning the loss, doing the hard things, correcting false doctrine, raising up leaders, building churches, boom, boom, bam, 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 until he's in prison at the very end saying, I'm done. I've done everything God gave me to do, ready to go home. And he, and he, goes, he goes home to be with the Lord, right? You look at a life like that and you think, man, he just gained and gained and gained and gained and gained the whole time. I, I hate for people to feel like that's not possible. I hate to hear Christians talk like, well, that's, you know, that's Paul the Apostle. You know, for us it's different. We're human. That's the, kind of stuff that, that's the kind of stuff that people that want to stay, you know, in compromise say. We know we're human. Nobody's perfect. Um, we, we know we're human, obviously. So with Paul. Um, we know what we are. God knew what we are. Uh, we know that none of us are absolutely perfect. But we can use those things as kind of an excuse to fall short of all that we could be. Um, and it's a fight to become all that you could be, but we could, we could use things like that to kind of excuse ourselves. Well, you know, I mean, just, you know, it's gonna take some time. No, it's not. I, I'm gonna just say this, because this is for somebody. There, this because I hear it a lot. I, I'm always talking to people, encouraging people, challenging people, and this is what I hear back sometimes. This is the kickback I get from people that are, are not wanting to change quickly. Well, you know, I've been doing that for a long time. It's gonna take some time. How long does it take to repent? Huh? Repentance is like that, right? It's right now, right? Repentance doesn't take time. Repentance is not something that it's like, well, you know, I've been, I've been slapping people in the mouth for 20 years, and so I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slap one a week now. These will be every day, you know. That's not repentance. That's making a, a compromise with my flesh. Repentance is, is first a change of mind. God, I agree with you that what I've been doing is wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. And I'm going to stop and obey you beginning today. I'm turning around from what I've been doing today. I repent. That's repentance. A lot of people have never repented, they've just acknowledged their sin and they've made a little, little agreements to try to do better. I'm going to try, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do a little better. I'm going to tell you that Jesus didn't die for you to try to do a little better, He didn't. He died so that those that would believe in Him would repent. They'll make a U-turn and their lives will be radically transformed. We would not be the same. So one of the reasons that these tribes suffer loss, one of the reasons today that believers suffer loss of walking in the spirit-filled life and all that God makes available to us, the reason some people lose those things, they're not fully accessible to them, is because they haven't repented. They haven't just fully surrendered. They're not walking in the fullness of what God wants. If that's you right you could repent Uh, maybe that's news to somebody that oh i I, I thought i thought that was repentance um but it's not repentance is a it's it's a it's a phrase and and it's, it's it's an everyday thing right um we don't die to our flesh the day we get saved we die to our flesh how often daily right die every single day today there was a set of things that i needed to die to and tomorrow If I wake up, there'll be a whole new set of things to die. It's going to be every day, and it'll be different every day. Some days it'll be like, man, the war was turned off. It was just easy peasy. And then there'll be days where the war kicks up, and it's all over the place. And now you got to die. Got to die to bad attitude. You got to die to stuff you want to say. You got to die to what you're thinking over here. You got to die, die, die. But you know what? It's in dying that we live. It's in living to ourselves that we die. And so we want to get good at dying. That's that's what we've been called to do. And our our Lord, our king, our master demonstrated it. He died, right? Who died more than Jesus? You look at his life. You look at God, the son, come to earth and have a mother tell him what to do when he did it. That's dying to yourself. He was God. Some of us think we something. Tell me what to do. Um, And I look at Jesus and I'm like, I mean, who really was something was told what to do when he did it? Had people on the earth that he created Challenging him, and he was humble in response. Um, I mean, in every way, Jesus is the example of what we're aiming to be, and so we want to be moving forward in that. Next group, the tribe of Judah, verses 19 through 22. The sons of Judah, and it begins to list their names. Now, I'm gonna speak on the first sons real quick. It says, The sons of Judah were Ur and Onan, and Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. Now, this is interesting because, you know, get, uh, Judah's going to be the first tribe that we read about to get to gain. Um, these two, uh, I won't explain all the details. You can go read it for yourself, but Ur and Onan, they were they were, they were were supposed to raise up an offspring for their sibling, and they, one of the brothers wouldn't do it, disobeyed the Lord, God killed. They both, God. these are two sons that God killed them for their disobedience, but they died back in Canaan. And so everybody else, you know, We don't get the details of how they lived or what they did, but as you come down to verse 22, it says, these are the families of Judah, according to those who were numbered of them 76,500. And though there was some some sin earlier on and some things that God dealt with and and a couple of them were killed, now they grow a little bit. Um, They were 74,600. Now they're 76,500. 38 years later, they've gained 1,900 people. They're the first tribe in the group that's, that's gained. And I would just point out that because there was some failure early on and, and within the tribe that, and, and I've seen this in a couple of the different groups where the sins of the fathers or, the, or, the, or those that preceded didn't, didn't permeate the entire tribe. And so I would just point this out to us. Um, some of us, and I know a lot of people that do this, they, they blame their disobedience on their parents. Well, you know, my, this, this, my family was always like, my mother was like that, my dad was like that, so, you know, here I am. And I just would want to point out to all of us that in Christ, we become what kind of creation? New. So all that becomes irrelevant, Right. Um, I can't dig into my back pocket and say, well, you know, my parents both had substance abuse issues. And so it's just in my DNA. You know, I'm always going to have. No, no, you could you could be you could be the first one that doesn't. Well, you know, my parents didn't stay married. My wife's parents didn't stay married. and So, you know, we don't want that. We don't know what it looks like. No, you have a Bible. You have a Holy Spirit. You have everything you need. Right. You could be the first of a new generation, a new era for your kids and those that come after, God can do a new thing with you guys. You, you don't have to be stuck in whatever you came out of. And so that's just a word for any of us that maybe use it as an excuse, um, or maybe look at our parents, or we look, you know, look to someone else and want to blame them for what we're doing. What God gives every human being is an opportunity for newness themselves. Uh, I'm not bound by my upbringing. I'm not bound by whatever I endured, whatever I viewed, whatever I was exposed to as a kid, as a child, or whatever. None of that matters when I become a new creation in Christ. I'm a brand new creation. I'm a child of the living God. And I have a spirit living in me. I got new direction from his word. My mind's going to be transformed. It's to transform the way I live, the way I think, the way I behave. And my whole being is going to be transformed by him. And I'll be under that process until I go to heaven. The process of sanctification. God's working on me. And God's working on you. Let him do his work. Don't offer up excuses to stay the same. But let God make us into what he wants us to be. Uh, Because for some of us, we're going to be that first generation of, of family that, you know, There's there's there there may not be that in your family. There may may not be anyone to look to for an example of, you know, marriages or whatever. Maybe you're going to be the first ones. So we need to get it right so we can lay the we can lay the path. Maybe your family haven't been believers. Maybe your family comes from some other background or they just were whatever. They were just worldly or carnal, whatever. Maybe you're going to lay the the, 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 maybe you're laying down the groundwork for people to come behind you and your family to know the Lord and to go to church and to seek God and to read a Bible we got to be open to that, right? I can't look at my past or whatever I came from and let that determine where I'm going. Uh, Because the day I met Christ, that was a crossroads. That was a a transition in my life. I became new. And yep, up until that point, the major influences maybe had been family. But I got new influence now. And it's a more powerful influence than any human influence. Uh, It's God himself influencing us to change from the inside out. He not only tells us and shows us how to change, then he gives us his power to do it. Right, God showed us what he wants us to be, and then we're weak, and we're like, I can't be that. I'm too weak. I can't. God says, ask me for help, and I'll give you the power to be it. The Bible says it is he who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure, to will, to want to do it, and then to be able to do it. God said, I work in you to want to do it and to be able to do it, so I can do it if I want to with God's help. Amen? So let's do it. All right, next group, Ishakar, verses 23 to 25 the sons of ishakar according to the families, according to their families, and it, and it goes down the list them in verse 25. These are the families of ishakar according to those who were numbered among them, 64,300. Uh, ishakar is another tribe that gained. They started off at 54,400, and now they've added, and they have 64,300. So they gained 9,900 people, uh, the tribe of ishakar did. So uh, and I, I would point this out with the tribes that are gaining, they're gaining and multiplying in the in the midst of a time when everybody isn't doing it right. So um, I would look at the tribes and some of the tribes gained, some of the tribes lost. Um, the tribes that happen to flourish in this time, they're flourishing in the midst of a, a, an atmosphere where everybody's not doing things the way God wants. It's not like everyone's flourishing. So we're, we're, we're flourishing, they're flourishing, We're just all encouraging each other in the right way. Some of them are obviously taking a different road. They're doing things different that, that they would be flourishing at a time when people right next to them are being depleted. And that's an important thing for us as believers, that we would be able to flourish in God wherever he plants us. Uh, maybe God's not planted you in the most encouraging environment or atmosphere. Maybe it may be your own household or where you live, and it's not the most encouraging atmosphere to grow and flourish, but you can flourish and grow right there. Maybe the community that you're planting is not the most encouraging community. You feel like it's hard, but you can flourish and grow wherever God's planted you if, if you allow God to have his way in your life. Uh, the next tribe of uh, Zebulun, uh, verses 26 and 27. And so the, the sons of Zebulun, according to their families, their families, according to those who were numbered with of them, were 60,500. 60, so uh, they're a relatively small tribe, uh, but they gained a little bit. They used to be 57,400. Now they're 60,500. They gained a little bit. Uh, verses 28 through 34 deal with the sons of Josa, uh, Manasseh. And um, as you look through the list of Manasseh, and then we'll see next, it'll be Ephraim. Uh, Manasseh gained, but Ephraim lost. And so Manasseh, it tells us, gained. uh, When they started off, they had 32,200 ready for war. 38 years later, at this point, they've got 52,700. And so they've gained by 64%. I think that's the biggest, uh, I think that might, yeah, that is the biggest gain of, of these groups. Ephraim, his brother, you know, so they come from the same parents, but Ephraim... And there's the whole, we can go through the whole story with him. They lost. Ephraim started out with 40,500. And 38 years later, they have 32,500. So they lost 8,000 men. Um, Once again, you got people that came from the same family. One, One gains, one loses. One moves forward and flourishes, another doesn't. And it's just another reminder, right? That maybe God is calling you to be that in your family. Maybe even among your siblings. Uh, maybe you got siblings and, and you guys try to do it together and, you know, somebody's not flourishing. Then you go ahead and flourish. You go ahead and become everything that you can be. Don't be hindered by that. Uh, when I first got saved, me and my sister are a year apart and we were so close. Our entire life, it was like me and her were like that. We were like that through elementary, through junior high, through high school. Um, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, it was I mean, we were we, we grew up very, very tight. And into our young adult life, we were tight. We hung out when we were clubbing and partying. Wherever my sister clubbed, I would take all my little, you know, hoodlum buddies and we would go be at that club so nobody could bother my sister. You know, Um, that was our relationship. You know, we were tight. So I got saved. And I'm thinking the first person I need to get saved is her so we can still kick it. I mean, we got, you know, I I need her to be saved. And so my sister is the first person I shared my faith with. The first person I sat down and said, man, this is what God has shown me. This is what I've done. You know, do it. Just do it with, you know, you come on too. And she didn't come on right away. Um, she's been saved now for for several years, and she's doing really well and flourishing, but not right away. And there was an option at that point. You know, I either I either kind of fall back with her, because we drank together. Um, we both did comedy clubs, and it was the kind of comedy that you listen to when you're not a believer, is not. <laughs> God ain't in that, you know. But it, it was like all the things we had in common. I got saved, and I'm like, nah, okay, I don't want to go there. no nah, I don't really go there no more. no nah, I don't drink that either. And it was like, man, we, we had. I don't listen. Are you, you got the new, what's the name? No, nah, I don't. I don't really listen to that no more either. And it was just like, man, we just for a season. I, I lost, her. I lost my sister. You know, we didn't have the close ties. Um, it just was what it was. Um, that was better than me rolling with her. Um, just that I stayed where I needed to be because eventually she joined me. Um, but maybe some of you guys are hindered by family relationships. Uh, don't be, um, that you don't have to be, uh, that's a choice. And so, um, sometimes, uh, that that's going to be the call that some people have to make in order to move forward in their walk with the Lord and to go ahead and allow there to be a severance, uh, with even, even family, uh, anybody that would hold you back. When the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character, uh, it, it doesn't, it, it's not just outside there's, there's, when it says bad company corrupts good character, that means family, there's families involved in that too. Um, as my kids have grown up, my BJ has become very curious cause we got lots of family, but my family's really, um, it's just broken. You know, there's, it's just a lot of stuff that I wouldn't, I wouldn't expose my son to or my daughters to. Um, there are people that my daughter have never met because I got uncles and cousins and people that they don't care if it's a niece or I be done kill somebody you know, for looking at my daughters and saying something sideways. I wouldn't be, I'll be gone, Clinton be here. I'll be, y'all come, y'all be writing me letters at the local penitentiary, you know? And so BJ, we seen, we had a funeral and he, we saw pictures and all oh, those, those, those are your cousins. And he's like, oh, that's my cousins." that's, you know, I'm like, there's a reason why I ain't never took you out there uh, and probably won't. Um, they are your cousins by blood. That there ain't nothing, there's, I, I can't find any benefit, I can't find anything that, you know, they're a little, all a little older than him and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put you out there like that. You know, bad company corrupts good character, even if they share your last name. And so um, and now if it's your husband or wife, you got to deal with it. But other than that, you need to pray about if it's hindering you, you need to pray about some separation. And so, again, Manasseh, they gained, uh, they gained uh, 20,000, people. Uh, but Ephraim uh, versus 35 to 37, Ephraim ends up losing 8,000 men.
0: You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them. But God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryEnglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, pastor bill will continue teaching through the book of numbers verse by verse chapter by chapter you might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life so be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word